I have titled this message this morning, The Irony of the Cross. You know, we say things that this was ironic. This is irony. And irony is described as something that is supposed to be something, but just the opposite is experience. And, and when we look at the cross this morning, we'll see what was expected, but something else came as a result. This is the last public announcement that Jesus is going to have before he goes to the cross. If you please, the shadow of the cross was now beginning to become more aware in the minds of our Lord than it was perhaps three months before this time. He's getting ready to make the great entrance into Jerusalem. And something unique happened. Some Greek citizens came and said to Philip, Sirs, we want to see Jesus, or we would see Jesus. And when Philip went to Jesus and told him, immediately Jesus said these words that we are looking at this morning. It's almost as if he knew that when that happened, this would happen. And so he cries out in verse 27, if you please, now, now, at this time, it wasn't there before, but now, is my soul troubled? Think for a moment. Jesus is feeling agitations inside. If, if you please, Something is stirring up his soul, his innermost being. This is beyond you and me. Because a soul cannot be seen by the naked eye. The soul is where we feel. The soul is where we, we, we express our deepest feeling. And in this most private part of our Lord, he said, I am in agony. I am being agitated. I want to take you into what Jesus is saying here. Many have accused Jesus of being a baby here. They said, listen, other people have died. What's the big deal about him dying? Well, what they did not realize that Jesus is not fearing death here. Nowhere is he talking about death. We want to see what is it that is causing him to be troubled inside. The comprehension of what is about to take place loomed in the consciousness of the word troubled. It is not what we think when we are troubled about something that is horrifying someone. Jesus is not horrified, he is troubled, he's agitated. What was about to take place was something that no human being could understand. If it was just about death, he wouldn't have a great concern because the day before, the, next, the previous chapter, he raised Lazarus from the dead. So death was no big problem. His soul was, was, was going in a place where the soul of Jesus who had become man had never been before. 
Earlier he's speaking to Mary in John chapter 2, when Mary wanted him to turn the water into wine. And Jesus said, my hour is not yet come. So he anticipated this hour, not, not 60 seconds, not 60 minutes. It was a time that had been appointed for something to happen. And when the Greeks came and when they said to Jesus, we would see Jesus from a divine arrangement. When that happened, it was going to lead into the time that now has our Savior troubled. So here was the agony. He was troubled because of what was about to take place. Please do not forget that although he became a man at his incarnation, he lives with the consciousness of being God. What was about to take place was something that, that had never or could never be comprehended by any human being. May, may I just sum it up for you in one word? God was going to reject God. Later on, we're going to hear him on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's what he was troubled about. Because that meant that he was going to experience as a man that which God had never experienced in eternity. The separation, the agony. What he was, what he was about to do was to look at sin in its in its. In its Terrible, terrible character. It's ugliness, it's corruption. He was, have to be, he, he was about to become that. He became sin for us. And when Jesus anticipated that, his soul was troubled. Because as a man, he was going to go through an experience that only God could go through. And the agony that he felt you and I could never feel. You and I could never experience. You and I could never fully talk about. Think, my friends, as he went toward Calvary, the scripture says he set his face like a flint, undeterred, unmoved, in Gethsemane, he said, my soul is grieved. And here, as he gets ready for the cross, he said, my soul is troubled. The agony of anticipation. But quickly, look at the acceptance of the agony. What shall I say then? Shall I say, Father, remove this cup from me? Shall I leave heaven and come to earth to do what we had agreed on in heaven, and then when I'm on earth to say to God, I changed my mind? <laughs> what shall I say? Father, remove this hour from me? No, listen. For this purpose, I became a man. Hey, isn't, it, isn't it amazing? How many of us think of Easter at Christmas? I mean, Walmart doesn't give us time to think of Easter. <laughs> uh, 
I, I was in Walmart or some store the other day, I think it was Fred Meyer, and, and I, I thought that, that Marlon and Tina were early with their Valentine's banquet, but the stuff already in, in those stores. Valentine's, all red stuff. <laughs> My friends, Jesus knew the moment he set foot upon the face of the earth by way of Mary's womb, he knew why he was there. He knew why he had left heaven's riches. St. Paul in 2 Corinthians puts it this way, You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich in glory, yet for your sakes he became poor, that we might become the riches of God. Think of it. When he accepted what was there. The devil knew that his time was limited. Now his judgment into this world, because when Jesus goes to the cross, the devil will not be able to overcome anything because Jesus Christ overcame it all. Overcome it all. Now his judgment come to this world. The only time the devil was ever defeated, it was at Calvary. He overcame. He knew that, what, that is what was going to happen. Listen to John chapter 10 and verse 17. For this reason, for this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life and will take it up again. There is a love relationship between the Father and the Son for this sacrifice to take place. And that's why when we come every first Sunday of last Sunday of the month, we come to the table. Because as in the Passover, he told the Jews, this will be a perpetual remembrance of what I have done. When we come to the New Testament, he tells us exactly the same thing. Do this in remembrance, remembrance of me until I come. We are entering into the agony of Jesus this morning. We can't understand it, but we can meditate on it. We can realize that this, this love between the Father and the Son resulted in the Son's willingness to take the agony. And as he said to his Father, Father, glorify yourself. Use what I am about to go through to bring glory to your name so that men will give you praise and thanks because they will see the outcome of what I'm doing is for the salvation of the world. The, the irony of it. I said to myself, I jotted this down in my notes, what is about to take place in that hour is like a divine theater. Jesus, the disciples, the Jews, the Pharisees are all the actors, but God is the divine director. He's the divine director. Nothing will happen within days that God did not sanction before they happen in heaven. From heaven. He accepted the agony. This is what caused an 18 year old.
Canadian to write, My Jesus, I love thee, I know thou art mine. For thee all the follies of sin I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Savior, if thou, if ever I love thee, my Jesus. It's now 18 years old when he wrote that. He understood this mystery of divine love, this divine theater in which God did something to redeem his soul. So there we have the agony in anticipation and the acceptance of the agony. Let's look at the authority on the cross. I, 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 I want to point this out. I didn't say the authority of the cross. I said the authority on the cross. Because the piece of wood has no power in itself. When, when, when that thief looked at Jesus to go on the cross, he didn't say, piece of wood, and I'm not being sacrilegious here. He's not saying, piece of wood, I have faith in you. No, he said, when you come into your kingdom, you remember me. He saw in Jesus something that transported his, 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 his soul from where he was to the possibilities of where he could go. And he said, if that is to happen, Jesus is the one who can do it. And he said, remember me. So I want you to see something. I want you to see what authority, the irony I'm talking about, are in the following ways. One, or A, his deity. Verse 32. Jesus said this, and I, and I, you know, when, when we speak of the first person as this way, it just, did you hear what I said to you? That's not what Jesus is saying here. That word, I, is full of divinity. It is, it is how God speaks of himself in Isaiah 43, 11. I, even I, am the Lord, and there is no Savior beside me. Beside me there is none other. When he came to the disciples walking in the water, and the waves were beating into their minds and into their, their, their imagination and into the boat, Jesus came walking in the water. Listen to him. Don't be afraid. It is I. That's a divine word. I am. Jesus is, 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 is showing something that he is, although he is a man, he's not like other men in the sense of having been born by a mother and a father, being sinless, being the creator, being the one who brings everything to existence without whom nothing is made that was made. If I... You see, my friends, what was going to take place on the cross needed a man who could endure the wrath of God, and only God could endure the wrath of God. No one that's good. It, as, as a man, he lived a sinless life, a perfect life. And when you, when you think of him saying, if I, if I, it, it means, my friends, that 
that he was conscious of who he was, what was about to be done, why it was going to be done, and the outcome of it being done. All that is in that one word, I. You know, if I say I'm going to do something, I can fail, I can have traffic get in the way, I can be, I can be a sluggard with the thing, but when Jesus uses the word I, he's using the absolute. He's using the one who encompasses everything that is. He's not using it as a fallen creature. He's using it as the divine God. So we read in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, under heaven there is given no other name by which we shall be saved. And that's why we will never get over coming to the communion table month after month until Jesus comes. Because we will not forget. He is the divine one. And, and I use this word deliberately. I looked it up in the dictionary. At home, I have my, my, my Bibles and my dictionary right beside me. Uh, I turn to it more times than you would like to know the dexterity. You know what a dexterity is? It's someone with skills. It means someone who is able, because of insight and understanding, use a thing in a way that no one else could see. And here's the irony of the cross. And I, if I be lifted up. There, there, there are two ways you lift up Jesus. One, you lift him up in adoration and praise. But my friends, the second one, you and I could never do. He alone could be lifted up. Read Isaiah 52. Listen, listen to this. Behold, my servant shall act wisely with dexterity. That's our transliteration of the word. He shall be high and lifted up. He, he said to Nicodemus, if I be lifted up, just like the serpent in the wilderness. So for lifting up for Jesus was not simply a human or a physical thing. Being lifted up for Jesus meant that he was actually taking from the place where the thing was and he was taken out of it in order to remove everything that was sordid in it, everything that was corrupt in it. Jesus being lifted up will bring sinners out of sin to serve God. That's why he said, I know what I'm doing. I know why the cross is necessary. See, he knew what that cross would do. L listen to um, Hebrews 12, 2. He said this, Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him. The disciples couldn't see, so they fled from him. The devil must have been trembling somewhere because he knew what was going to take place. But Jesus was, in the midst of his agony, there was this divine joy. Uh, this, my friends, is what, what Christians can experience when they are rooted and grounded in their faith in Christ. 
the world around them might be might be dissolving, but they are rooted deeply, and there is a sense of inner joy that the world can never take away because the world never gave it in the first place. He endured the cross and despised the shame. What, what, what was the cross going to do? Listen to this. He led captivity captive. The very triumphs of his falls, it means, he used for their defeat. What they thought was their triumph, Jesus used for their defeat. He compelled their dark achievements to subserve his end. That is God's end, not theirs. They nailed him to a tree not knowing that by that very act they were bringing the world to his feet. Isn't it true? Aren't men and women worshiping Jesus Christ all around the world this morning? And they're worshiping because he went to the cross and, and that name, which is above every other name, is being adored this morning, even in places where it is not needed. They gave him a cross. They gave him a cross not guessing that he would make it a throne. The irony of the cross. They flung him outside the gate to die, not knowing that at that very moment they were lifting up the gates of the universe to let the king come in. Wow. The irony of it all. What looked like defeat to the world was victory unending to the Savior. They thought they had God with his back to the wall, pinned and helpless and defeated. They did not know that it was God himself who had tracked them down. He did not conquer in spite of the dark mystery of evil. He conquered through it. That's his dexterity. He used the ugly darkness to bring light. He shed his blood to heal our, our sinfulness. He was buried that we might be raised with him. Let me get quickly to what I call the dynamism of Jesus. I will draw all men to myself. If I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. Wherever that man might be, wherever that woman might be, I will draw all men to myself. I want you to hear how he did that. As Paul comes to read a text of scripture in a moment from Revelation chapter 5, the death of Jesus will defeat the purpose of the devil to keep you and me in his grip. It will make forgiveness possible for repenting sinners. It is not the wood upon which Jesus died. It is Jesus upon the wood. Malcolm Mugridge said it this way, of all the things that brought him to become a believer, it was the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross 
my friends, I will draw all men to myself, was the uniqueness of it. The mystery of the cross is that he's going to draw men by the cross. That's the mystery. He still does it today. And if there's someone here this morning who was never asked Christ into his or her life, it can become your day of deliverance, your day of thanksgiving, because you too can be brought into fellowship with the Lord. And when you come to the table, you see us taking the bread and the cup this morning, you will want to know, you will want to know, what does that mean? Let me tell you what it means. It means this, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Amen.